welcome to the Gen Z Career Playbook podcast. My name is Nadia and I'm a career practitioner, educator and founder of BU Careers. It's a real chat with real people about their career journeys. Also hear from industry experts who will take you behind the curtain to provide insights and tools so you can take action and thrive in this one life. Because career development is about more than a job. It's a process of managing life, learning and work over your lifetime. If you're early in your career or you're supporting someone at this stage of their journey, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Gen Z Career Playbook. I am very excited to introduce you to my guest, Felicity Fury, who is an award-winning business leader, engineer, and entrepreneur. Named one of Australian Financial Review's 100 Women of Influence by Age 26 and Boss Magazine's Young Executive of the Year, Felicity has led multi-million dollar engineering projects across Australia, founded several successful businesses, and is currently CEO of We Aspire and undertaking a PhD in Emerging Leadership. I would love to welcome Felicity Fury to the Gen Z Career Playbook podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Felicity. Such a pleasure. I'm super excited to have a conversation about careers. I know. It's been too long since we've actually spoken as well. It seems like a million years ago that we met, I think, at a school trying to tee something up. So, yeah, it's really great to catch up and see what you've been up to as well. What I would really love to do is actually for you to provide our listeners with a bit of a snapshot of your career journey thus far and probably from kind of the end of high school until now. So quite a, quite a bit to cover. <laughs> well, growing up, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I finished school. I guess I looked at the people around me. My mom studied visual art. My dad did journalism. But, you know, journalism and writing didn't really appeal to me. I loved the creativity of art at school. Um, but my mom sort of said, you know, I don't know if there's a, a job in that. And I think, you know, they were really influential in me thinking about what was going to be in my future. And it was actually because of my high school physics teacher who said, maybe you should think about engineering. And my first thoughts were, no way, you've got to be so smart to be an engineer. You need to get straight A's. And I was a pretty average student. I'd actually failed one of my year 12 maths tests. I'd gotten a C in physics and I thought, I'm not going to be a very good engineer. I thought you had to also sit down and do calculations all day. And in high school, I did not like maths at all, even though I did um, one of the harder math subjects and thought that's what engineers do. So I actually put it as my fifth preference, engineering. I put arts and science first because I thought they were going to be easier to get into. Um, And then once I'd kind of figured out uni, maybe I'd transition into engineering. But actually, as luck would have it, my marks weren't good enough to get into arts or science, and I went straight into engineering. And once, probably about in my second year, when I got to see what engineering was really about, I fell in love with it. And that kind of you know, kicks out of my career. I saw that engineers get to build and create the world. Uh, so I went on to work on a whole range of projects, um, mega infrastructure projects, you could call them road projects uh, in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. And on the side, started a couple of businesses along the way because I wanted to make a really big difference. And engineering actually really helped me do that. That problem-solving approach helped me in business as well. So definitely not the career I expected, but it's been awesome. And engineering has been such a cool part of it. Yeah, amazing. And I, I really remember our conversation when you, when we spoke because I was kind of like really like 
you know, from a career counselor perspective in terms of, you know, how do we know what students will suit engineering and, you know, that kind of thing. And I think very much maths is something that's, you know, held as a, a bit of a marker for engineering. And it's kind of interesting to hear you say that, you know, that wasn't actually, you know, a super strong point of yours. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do maths or you can't kind of do it, but it wasn't something that you're potentially, you know, naturally you know, amazing at. And I think that's really interesting to hear that that's probably something that does really steer, students would 100% be steered away if they're not, you know, really strong at maths to engineering, I think. Um, and I guess is that, are there other things like often being good at maths and problem solving are kind of markers for engineering potentially, but are there other factors or characteristics that are more influential, do you think, to like someone being successful in engineering? I'd say probably a, nat a natural strength I have is being analytical and analysing yeah. problems and things. And potentially, you know, there's, you know, other situations that happen at school. Like when I, you know, I would say I felt like it was really hard for me to make friends. So I was always analysing the social dynamic and does this person like me or what if I say that, should I upset them? And probably you know maybe if you're you know I was you know thinking oh what are my friends going to do are they going to choose those subjects and I think that's often a common thing for young people mm -hmm. um wanting to belong and fit in and I even remember I was showing this just last week um about one of my maths tests in year seven I'll never forget it so year seven was the last year of primary school for me because I went to school in Queensland so last year of okay. primary school and um one of the girls in my class said you know I asked her oh what did you get on your maths test and she said I got um, uh, 17 out of 30. What did you get? I got 29 and a half out of 30. And I was actually really excited. And she's like, you just asked me because you wanted to share how great your life was. And so I had this thing of, oh my gosh, I want people to like me. If I'm smart, then, you know, she's not going to be my friend. And so, you know, it, it might have been a tricky situation, but, you know, I noticed that I did analyze a lot of those things growing up. So I think... Um, being analytical, also being creative. So I did art, I loved art and analysing different pieces of artwork or thinking deeply about it and training yourself how to think is a really powerful uh, way to, you know, to be a good engineer, I think. And it comes out in a range of subjects at school, whether it's history, analysing sources, um, you know, art, being creative. Um, so yeah, creativity, problem solving, uh, analyzing and I'm going to add one more into the mix which is working with people because I think a big misconception about engineering is that it's best it's best to be good at maths and science and sure that's really good but if you have a great idea and then you can't share that with people and communicate that effectively then I feel like there's no point of even having the idea so I think people skills and communication often overlooked is a really important skill yeah engineer. yeah that's amazing and I think it's just that point that just because you may not be naturally good at something, there's nothing wrong with actually working hard at something, you know, that, like there's probably always going to be aspects of a job or study that you probably have to work a little bit harder at um, and other things will come kind of naturally. So I think sometimes, you know, shouldn't shy away from, you know, if that's not their, you know, their number one, you know, strength, but if they have a passion for it and they have an interest in it and that curiosity. So obviously you did physics, that's, you know, there's something about that subject that you had an interest in while well, is just because it wasn't necessarily your strengths worth considering pursuing for sure. And I think you're a great example of that. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually, I found maths hard and at uni I found it hard. And part of it was that I 
only saw one way of doing it and I was only sort of you know that I was only opened or exposed to one way of doing something and then at uni I realized there's actually a whole range of ways of doing it and I found maths at uni as well so I had to repeat the subject I found a couple other subjects um and yeah I was so driven by I could go design and create the world that I ended up doing five subjects a semester instead of the usual four to make sure I finished on time because I realized that I could make this impact. I think um, that's a really important thing is being connected to what's driving you because if something is hard, then if you've got that motivation or that bigger picture why to get through it, then it really helps. Yeah. And yeah, maths was definitely one of those for me. That's amazing. I totally agree. You have So you've recently been at Swinburne for a number of years as engineer in residence and now you're moving to We Aspire, which you're the founder and CEO of. I'd also just love you to tell me a little bit about your time at Swinburne and your role there and also now with the role at We Aspire. Sure. So most of my career has been working on infrastructure projects, whether that's for local government or uh, as a consultant. And I didn't ever expect I would go work at a university. I really had no idea what it was going to be like. And I actually spoke at Swinburne about diversity and inclusion and was approached to come and join the team where we were creating a brand new engineering course. And I guess I was a, you'd say, um, practical expert in what does engineering look like in industry. And so I came in and helped design learning products uh, for, for Swinburne, which uh, with my colleagues, where we um, worked with industry to create real world scenarios for uh, students who are studying engineering to make it more relevant and it's kind of funny if I look back over my career it's one of those join the dots moments because uh, starting Power of Engineering which is as you know a not-for-profit to get students interested in engineering I had no idea about education when I started that and it was such a learning journey but 10 years later I know a little bit about STEM education had done some work on partnerships and getting the program funded and then this role at Swinburne popped up as an opportunity to bring all of those things together. So there was partnerships working with industry, there was design consulting, which I'd done, and then there was the education piece. So that was really amazing to make that contribution to students and the next generation of engineers. Yeah. Then at the same time, I was starting We Aspire, which um, I guess does the other side of the coin from uh, engaging and attracting students, but also uh, we now look at how can we bring the leader out in everybody and how do we unleash that potential of leadership of young people in industry so we now are working uh, doing immersive training experiences with emerging leaders in stem fields construction property um, those kinds of industries uh, and you know again it builds on that experience of Swinburne and creating these different real world scenarios the education piece um, but also being a leader from a young age um, when I started the not-for-profit I was 25 so um, yeah, it's interesting. I I would have not thought my career would have gone this way at all. Um, and it's super fun being the founder of your own business and getting to take charge of your own career path yeah, as well. Amazing. And you just touched on power of engineering then. What, I guess, what drove you to kind of start that? So you were 25. What was the reason, I guess, you know, you really started it? And then I guess what has it achieved in it? still obviously going today and what is yeah. what is its role yeah. today it's been something I didn't ex- yeah also expect that I would have done um I think for me I was reading a lot of reports around we need to get more girls into engineering and I was just so frustrated about reading about the stats and if you look 
you know, in the last 15, 20 years, it's been about the same, around 10, 12% of women, uh, sort of engineers are women. And so I was just was so frustrated. I wanted to do something myself about it. So that kind of started it. And then I thought, you know, who made a difference for me? It was Mr. Adamson, shout out. So I'm supposed to call him Scott now, but I still can't um, get out of the habit. Um, <laughs> at my school went, wow, if he hadn't have had that conversation with me about engineering, I wouldn't yeah. have um, gone down that path. So it really started off as, you know, his let's put on a one-off event. The state government at the time had some funding. It was the first time I put up my hand to lead anything. I've never done anything like that before and went, okay, let's see if we can make a difference here. And that kind of snowballed. So now we've run over 140 events, reached 14,000 students, raised over a million dollars for the program. And now um, we also have another, so we run free one day events for students to find out about engineering. And we also have engineering in a box, which is for more regional and remote students, which is um, we've just launched recently a new program where they do full lessons and um, learn about what engineering is and solve a problem together with their teacher. So still going strong after we started in 2012, so over 10 years, which is pretty wild yeah. um, and awesome to see, wow, one idea could have this this big impact. Um, and it's not just me, it's a whole team yeah. of people as well. Yeah, it's amazing. And it is so true. Like it can just be one conversation or just one experience that really just opens up I guess the student's mind and you know to a whole new trajectory of what their career would be that may never have happened you know without that so you know those you know that power of engineering is you know think of you know 14,000 students that have you know had their mind open and it's not it's not about getting everyone to be an engineer but it's actually just knowing that it is possible and it is something to consider for sure so that's really 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 amazing I think one of the tricky things with engineering and particularly when I speak to students is it just seems like there's so many different types of engineers, so many different types of engineering in terms of like civil engineering, I think they can sometimes get their heads around. And then if they think of that, then they're like, oh, no, that's not for me. But there's just so many different types of engineering. Could you <laughs> explain I guess fundamentally what you believe you know, an engineer's role is and I guess some of their different types of industries like an engineer could could be working in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, civil engineering is a pretty easy one. Um, that's what I studied. So bridges, buildings, water, transport um, and actually was the first type of engineering outside military engineering. So military engineering was the first type of engineering ever, which I only learned okay. recently. Now there's over 34 types. So I can't even list them on this podcast. We could have a whole podcast yes. episode about all the different types. And I think uh, for me, when I think about it is um, engineers make things work or make things work better. And the Royal Society of Engineers in the UK came up with that. And I, that really resonates with me. So I think about it as, is there a problem out there in the world I want to solve? Then there's an engineer that can help figure out how to solve that problem. So often the main kind of groupings are civil, which is the you know, what I just shared earlier, things I feel like things that don't move, um, and, and buildings and bridges and things like that. Uh, there's also mechanical, which is things that do move. So it could be inventing something like um, some machinery or some equipment. Then there's chemical engineering, which is the you know materials from that you have that make your computer or anything from a soft drink that you might drink or chocolate that's chemical engineering mm -hmm. um, and then there's electrical which uh, is often really hard to see um, but works behind the scenes and I think what's tricky today about engineering is that there 
we don't just go work in one discipline. Even as a civil engineer, I was designing things that sort of felt more mechanical engineering and it kind of overlaps. So um, there's just so many different types today, food engineering, working in marine environments, the list just goes on and on. So Mm -hmm. fundamentally, I think it's, do you want to make a difference in an area? Then engineering and thinking like an engineer is a pathway to help you get there. And that's more, engineering is more of a process to helping you make a difference in something that's important to you. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of even courses these days as well, it's not like you have to go in knowing exactly what you want to do. Like that can kind of unfold. I know a lot of structures often is you can kind of do that foundation year and you don't kind of specialize until second year and and onwards as well. But because that can seem daunting to kind of, you know, choose as well. But I think there are options that gives you more time, you know, to, to kind of let that unfold and and explore and find out more information as well yeah and even when you're in your career as an engineer i think that's one thing i found um as a young person going if i don't do well in year nine maths then i'm not going to get into the better year 10 maths and then if i don't do that then i can't do maths b and c is what it was called Mm -hmm. um, when i was in school and then my life is over and i'm totally screwed forever and i'm limiting my options and i think that scarcity of my options are going to be limited really influenced me as a young person and then going into university. Then when I've been in my career, I've been a structural engineer, project manager. I've worked in a water team. Um, I've worked on asset management planning. I've worked with engineers in Europe that know way more about con- concrete than I ever could. So there's just so much once you get into the, the world of working that you can transfer it into. Yeah. And yeah. I went from engineering to then business. So there's so many pathways once you're out as well. Yeah, and I think that's true for nearly all industries as well. I think students kind of feel like, you know, they have to kind of meet this certain criteria to then get onto there. But once they get into, you know, the workforce, they can see there's so many different opportunities and possibilities, which, Mm -hmm. yeah, which is certainly a good thing. And actually speaking of kind of, I guess, opportunities for students, where do you really see the possibilities and opportunities for students coming through like where is there a real need do you think in terms of engineering or something that's emerging that you know potentially there's probably new areas emerging that you know haven't been around before there's definitely talk a lot in the industry about a skills shortage and interestingly more than half of the engineers in australia come from overseas okay so there's a huge pool from overseas that we rely on, which I think is actually really great for diversity and getting different ways of thinking into our profession. So I think in all areas of engineering, there's a need. And I think there's a big need for people who think differently, not the traditional maths and science kind of approach, which I think is important for sure, especially yeah. if you're really technical, we need that. But we also need people who are different. So engineering today is so much more open because we need to work in multidisciplinary complex teams so we need people who can lead who can communicate between everybody so there's so many opportunities in the field and what I'm really grateful for about being trained as an engineer is getting that way to think whether it's um, thinking about things from a first principles perspective and then how do I automate that is super relevant today we think about that in our business of okay we've created this training experience manually okay now how do we automate that how do we accelerate it how do we do it in a quarter of the time so a lot of those ways of thinking have been really valuable in different Mm -hmm. contexts as well yeah and I guess what would you say to someone 
who's never considered engineering, which I guess in terms of your power of engineering, that's kind of the idea of that is exposing them to the possibility of engineering. But what would I guess be your key message? That's a good question. And I definitely was that person. Mm. I would say it's not as hard as you think. And I feel like if I can do it, someone who, yeah, failed maths several times, then it's possible. And it all comes down to, you know, what do you want and what difference yeah. do you want to make? And I think even if you do study, you know, engineering, it's, it's there's so much out there right now. You can go on, so I think it's MIT and some of the other universities in America. You can watch every single lecture on a course. Yeah. There's just so much information now. So, you know, if you're not sure if it's for you, then go check out some of the cool resources that are available for free and before you, you know, you commit to that pathway. But I think um, I'm, I feel quite relieved in the sense that I thought I had to do calculations to be a good engineer. And the answer is that you don't. For sure, I had to do it to get the degree and yeah. that motivated me a lot. Um, but that also taught me discipline around doing something even when, and persistence and resilience, even, you know, doing something when it was hard as well. Yeah. And I think that end goal or vision and, and what you really want, you know, your why was so much stronger, as you said, than the obstacle of doing the math subjects and things like that. And that could be true for a lot of students doing quite challenging courses and subjects that, you know, why are they actually doing it and what do they actually want to achieve? And um, yeah, that can obviously be a really big driver and not something to yeah, stop them from doing it. I think it's really, really, really important as well. In terms of being a female in engineering, now you said before the stats were, what was it, 10% or even less, I think, in terms of females in engineering. What is your advice, I guess, for female students looking to kind of go in engineering? And I guess, what was your experience like as a female in engineering as well? Yeah, I didn't know that those were the stats until I walked into my very first engineering classroom. And I went to an all-girls school and we had two physics classes. So doing physics was normal, like it wasn't a big deal it wasn't a thing so that was so interesting for me when I I remember I was late to my very first engineering class as the orientation day and I opened these doors and I had to walk across the front of the room to find then go up the hallway um or aisle in the middle it was such a bad design I don't know why they designed that like that and I was because I was late I opened the doors and then I just felt like everyone was staring at me and as, a, as someone who went to an all-girls school, we were told not even to talk to boys on the train. You know, school dances were super awkward. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how am I going to interact with all these people? So I sat way at the back and hoped that no one would notice me, even though it was very obvious, me walking in that uh, route 10 minutes late. <laughs> and I think uh, for me, I yeah, it was unexpected. And at the time, I just really wanted to fit in. And so I know at uni and early on in my career, I just did stuff to feel like how can I fit in and how can I belong and I would say that was actually probably in a lot of ways the wrong approach because that meant that I sat back I didn't put my hand up I didn't have my voice heard and if you are someone who's different whether it's you know female or um you know sexual orientation or race or culture or whatever makes you different those things are also the things that make you really great and really valuable so looking back, I wish I had really understood my strengths a bit more and how they could add value in, in the workplace. And it took me probably, I'd say, a good five years working as an engineer and not until I'd actually gone and started Power of Engineering to go, 
oh, okay, I have these strengths that I've never seen before because I felt so confined and so restricted trying to fit in that I couldn't actually see that for myself. So um, I think if, if people who, you know, particularly women in the industry, it can be really hard to put your hand up and takes a lot of courage to do that. And I was really worried about saying the wrong thing and everyone looking at me and going, oh, that woman in the meeting said the wrong thing. Um, so it does take a lot of courage, but um, it's only been positive once I've really put that forward. And, and if you're finding you're not, you know, it's not a, a, a good culture for you to be in, then it's time to leave that organization, which is hard to mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think it's, it's so interesting, just that point of belonging. And I think you know, that's probably such a driver for teenagers and, and so much of their decision making in terms of yeah, what they think is, you know, an acceptable course to go to or you need to go to. And yeah, I mean, my business BU is really because like, it's all about being you <laughs> in terms of deep down, what do you really want to do? And you, you expressing yourself and, you know, all of those kind of things. So, you know, I really can, yeah, I think that's amazing and such a good thing for students to hear that when you do put yourself out there, that that's probably when you, you see the most growth and you see the most opportunities um, and all of those kind of things as well. So, and it's good that, like you said, that it was embraced and it was only a positive experience. And, you know, if students find themselves in organisations where, yes, it's not, there are organisations that are. So I guess, you know, that's the kind of thing as well, that cultural fit. And, and I think probably more and more, I think it's probably becoming a positive experience, I think, for, for people, which is which is really, really great to hear yeah awesome well that is actually the end of part one of our chat so part two career confessions will be coming next week so thank you so much for joining me felicity and for everyone for listening don't forget to stay curious take action and go out and live your best life and always remember to be you